Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery, BTR.org. I'm Anne. I'm sure you remember what it was like when you were searching for help, maybe for your husband, hoping to find the right program or therapist. That's why I started podcasting. I supported my husband through seven years of pornography addiction recovery, and not one therapist during that time told me I was experiencing emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion. I didn't want any other woman on the planet to be in the dark. If you're like the majority of my listeners, you're experiencing the type of abuse that's invisible and difficult to wrap your head around. Your husband is using porn or having affairs or lying to you, and you're getting the same bad advice about how to improve communication or your relationship. If you need support from women who totally understand, check out our daily group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a session today. One simple anonymous way to help spread the word is to click, follow, or subscribe to the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. While you're there, every five-star rating helps make this podcast more visible and will help save other women from getting the wrong kind of help, like a couple program that will make this type of abuse worse. For those of you who follow or subscribe to this podcast, thank you so much. Your support means so much to me. Lorelai is back on this week's podcast. If you didn't listen to the beginning of her story, listen to that first. We covered that last week and then join us here. Just a reminder from last week that we are using aliases like we always do. I just don't always say it, but on this one, I wanted to make sure that you knew that because she says um, her husband's name several times. And again, it's an alias that we're using. We're just going to hop right into it. So order of operations, you find BTR, you read Why Does He Do That by Lundy Bancroft. I just want to pause here because so many women, when we suggest Lundy Bancroft's book, they don't want to read it because they don't want to find out that their husband is abusive. I had the same experience when I read it. It was like, check, 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 check. I was like, whoa, this has been abuse the whole time. You know, it was just like absolutely mind blowing to me. I want to let women know that if your husband is not abusive, he's not going to check those lists. Why does he do that? And BTR do not create abuse out of thin air. The abuse exists and we help women recognize it. It's not that women come to us in healthy relationships and then think that their husband is abusive. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Can you talk about maybe your fear at first, maybe your worry of like looking into things that maybe you would find out? Did you ever have that? Maybe you didn't. I don't know. I didn't really have that. I read all the relationship books. My husband was sneaky. If you've read Lundy Bancroft's book, he's the water torturer. It was just little things. Nobody noticed them. I didn't even notice them. He would just plink and then I would blow up and I would be the crazy one. I'm the redhead. I'm the one who's losing it all the time over dumb stuff. I'm the one who's just stressed out and overwhelmed from taking care of the baby. Never mind the fact that he never bothered to help take care of the baby. It was always me. He had made it really clear from the beginning that he was putting up with me. And I believed him. <laughs> That's my issue. I don't know why I believed him for 17 years. That's something I'm working through now. It's helping me. And honestly, it's helping my girls because guess what? I have two girls who are 21 and 23 respectively who are struggling with relationships and these guys who just are not up to par and they don't know why this stuff is happening. So my girls and I are sort of doing the work together. We are separated. It took a little bit to separate. He did not want to separate. It's funny because the whole time he's telling me that maybe he needs to find somebody else because I'm so worthless. But then at the same time, when I say, great, let's move on, he's like, no, no, I don't want to move on. 
because he doesn't get to control me if I move on. So it took a little bit of doing to get him out. Obviously, I have a handicapped child. I can't just pick up my handicapped kid out of his special school and just relocate anywhere. And so I had to convince my husband, who was pretty much living in another state anyway, except for one or two days a week, to just stay and to let his child be here and to let's separate amicably. So it took a little bit of doing to get that done. I don't know when exactly we're going to call it officially separated. He hasn't stayed at the house since January. He pretty much cut off support the minute that he realized it was over. That's very, very typical of an abuser because they don't really care about your welfare or the kid's welfare because no one who actually really genuinely cared about you would feel okay to be like, okay, I don't know how she's going to pay groceries. I don't even think they think like, how is she going to pay groceries? Like, how are my kids going to eat? But it's also a control tactic to say, oh, I'm going to cut off the finances because if they cut off the finances, they think you're going to come crawling back because you're desperate for groceries, right? So it's both a, I don't care about you and a control tactic at the same time. Yeah. And you know, what's funny, like thinking back, my husband has used every abuse tactic in the book, but he didn't use them at the same time because like I said, I fought it and I adapted. So when one abuse tactic stopped working, he switched to a different one. And his latest abuse tactic was the financial abuse. So for the last three or four years, I haven't had any credit cards of my own. He's in charge of the money. And I just thought he was finally being responsible. I thought he was finally taking an interest in the budget, but he was systematically cutting me off of everything last November. Like in the middle of us separating, he refinanced the house and took my name off the mortgage, which I guess he was thinking was going to hurt me, but actually it's going to hurt him because I'm still on the deed. That's where it was going. He would adapt. Every time I established a boundary, he would pick something else to abuse and it it just wasn't going to end. It was not going to end. It's interesting to me that instead of recognizing that you're equal and that you're on the same team. Abusive men, they feel like they don't have any power. They don't have any personal power unless they have power over someone. And so that's why it always shifts. Because if you become equal by either finding out something that you didn't know before. So one of the ways they keep an imbalance of power is by withholding information so that they know more than you do. So if you find out what they know, then suddenly you're equal. So then they're like, oh, shoot, I've got to try to find some other way to maintain this power imbalance. Because that is what abuse is is in a nutshell, is that they don't feel like they have any power in their own life unless they have power over you. Whereas a healthy relationship is two people who find power from honesty, quality, and the power is personal power that you have when you're honest and you're kind. You have integrity. That is a power in and of itself that I don't think these abusive men really understand. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that I've devoted my whole life to my kids. I have five kids and we're all really close. And looking back, I seen kind of where he wasn't happy about that. He wasn't happy that my kids and I are close. He wasn't happy that he would end up on the outside just because he never bothered to spend time with anybody or get to know anybody or be involved in anybody's lives. He hated that. And so looking back, I realized that a lot of the problems that I had with my kids, a lot of just normal parenting stuff, you know, fights and who's in charge of this and what's in charge of that. Like he started a lot of those because he didn't want us to have a good relationship, me and my children. And I have only seen our relationship get stronger as he has vacated the relationship. As I've moved on, my kids and I are closer than ever. I was just thinking about this this morning. It kind of made me cry a little bit. 
I have five children and three are from a different dad, but my kids don't talk about being half siblings. It's, it's just brothers and sisters. They're all super close and they're all super caring and loving towards each other. And there's no distinction for us. He didn't understand that and he, he's missing out, honestly. Yeah. So he cut you off financially. So did you have to file stuff in court in order to, to help your finances? Or? Yes. So that's, that's pretty much the first thing I had gotten a lawyer, but we had to sort of expedite things when he cut everybody off. Luckily, my family is super supportive and my dad uh, kind of moved in with me. We ended up here in this state because my mom died kind of unexpectedly from cancer. And we moved here to sort of help my dad put the pieces back together. And then we ended up staying because the schools here were fantastic. And my little guy really needed a good school. And we decided it was in his best interest. And my husband had no problem with living halvesies, you know, one in each state, because it was for the greater good of our youngest child. So my dad has been really supportive. As soon as my mom died, he basically was like, can I just live with you? He travels a lot, so he doesn't live with us full time, but he has a room at my house and he has moved in full time. Since Jason and I separated, my dad has been really great about making sure that, you know, everything's covered for me. It's hard for him to see what's going on. Has he been surprised at how abusive Jason is? Yes. Yes, he really has. I don't know that he would have believed it if he didn't see it with his own eyes. I'm the, the oldest of five. One of my brothers has died, but I still have other siblings and I'm pretty close with everybody. And I think that everybody was surprised. You never know what goes on in people's lives. It's so important not to make judgment calls or anything based on what you can see on the outside. But yeah, so my dad has just been really, really, really great. He's helped me to start a business. I'm doing a notary business now and I work another job. I can work from home, all gifts from God, because it's hard to get out with my little guy. But yeah, so we're going through the process. We were supposed to go to court in May, but we got bumped. So we go to court again in about three weeks, and we're just still struggling through the system. Real quick before a response, there are a lot of so-called betrayal trauma therapists or coaches or groups out there, but they don't approach pornography use or infidelity as an abuse issue, or they try to quote-unquote treat both the abuser and the victim in the same setting, which is unethical. So if you hear something in this episode you relate to, Check out the group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a group session today. Now back to our conversation. And now back to our discussion. So you said you're feeling good. One of the things I noticed once I held the no contact order and just stopped managing his life, right, when I was out, is that number one, he didn't do anything, nothing to try and get back in my home. But also I noticed how peaceful I felt. And I noticed just how much better my life was going. So even though I was in like limbo in terms of like how anything was going to go, I was feeling a lot better. Tell me about how, where you are in that process and, and how you're feeling right now. I'm feeling really good. The beginning of the year was hard right after it happened. It was a little bit bleak in the winter, but that's when I crunched hard on my business because I needed something to keep me going. I did a lot of coaching with BTR during that time as well. That was very, very helpful. And I've been healing. My health has improved. I don't have night terrors anymore. I'm not as afraid all the time. Now, my husband still is pushing his rights to the house. We have a no contact boundary unless it has to do with the children. So we have the Our Family Wizard app. I'm using that now too. Yeah, so... We're using the Our Family Wizard app to kind of facilitate things, but he can still email me and 
Well, I felt safer at home. Checking my email is always traumatic. I still get a pain in my chest when I check my email and I see an email from him because I know it's not going to be anything good. Mm -hmm. Have you considered blocking him on your email and just going through our family wizard? That's what I do. I'm not saying you should do that. I just wondered if you'd considered that. I have considered that. Um, My lawyer advised me not to do that. He wanted to make sure that we were getting accurate documentation of all of the abuse. And obviously because we still own this house together and my oldest son is also autistic. So he was the main guy on my son's SSI account. So there were things we needed to discuss from time to time. Obviously it wasn't super amicable because my husband is my husband, but you know, there had to be a way to communicate things. So a lot of this year has been sort of learning how to not jump every time I get a message from him. A lot of it has been learning how to remind myself that he can't hurt me and he's wrong. And whatever he has to say does not reflect on me. It only reflects on him. So there's been a lot of growth this year, but my friends and my family have all commented that, you know, I seem so much happier and I'm doing so much better. And I'm sure that I will only continue to get better from here. It was scary because I only have a little bit of college. And every time I tried to work a job or go back to school, all of a sudden he didn't like that and he would create problems or he would disappear and just dump everything off on me and the kids. And my poor kids would be a choice between taking care of my kids and going to school. You know, when my 14 year old is handling everything because my husband doesn't come home for a month, he would punish me when I tried to go to school or go to work. So having no education and no financial prospects really was really, really scary. But at the point where I was at, it was scarier to stay in the relationship. And that's what it came down to. So if you could go back in time, And talk to your younger self or yourself at the beginning of this relationship. What would you tell yourself? Honestly, what I would be telling myself would be not the things you might expect. I would be telling myself that I was worthy of love and that love does not look like any kind of feeling that doesn't feel good. I have learned that your feelings really are your biggest indicator of emotional safety. And what I would be telling my younger self is not to ignore those feelings because they are crucial. When you get a funny feeling about somebody, that is legitimate. That is your cue. The feelings have been given to you by God to tell you about things that you can't know. Like there's so many things that you don't know about people and there's no way to know sometimes. And feelings are how you know. So real love is a feeling that you can identify. And fear is a feeling you can identify. And uneasiness is a feeling that you can identify. And if you can trust those feelings to know what's safe and what's love and where your value is, I would go back and talk about how feelings are important and how we are all valuable and lovable and just to really sort of work on self-esteem. I really, really believe that for me personally, I wouldn't have been so willing to swallow his his nonsense about how it was me if I had known how important it was to trust my own feelings. I didn't trust myself. I didn't know that I could trust myself. I didn't know a lot of things, I guess, but I would focus on my my own self-worth. Yeah, and we've all been there. We've all been there where the things we've learned are now have really opened our eyes. Well, I'm so grateful that you found BTR and found a place where you could feel validated and get the words for what was happening to you. Yes, it was definitely the right moment. It was definitely put in my path at the appropriate time, exactly when I was ready. 
I sometimes worry that women find BTR and they're not quite ready to go there. And they they think, no, my husband's not abusive. This is just a porn issue or this is just an infidelity, you know, something. And those BTR people, they're a little too intense or that's not my situation. What would you say to them? I would say that that's exactly where I started. I found it. It was very much about pornography. And like I said, I have no guarantees about whether my husband was doing it or not, but it didn't really feel like my problem exactly until I realized that they all felt the same way that I did. And maybe the problem was bigger than I thought. And that BTR covers more than just the pornography and the cheating issue. I mean, that's a really big indicator. It's a very common indicator, but it is not the only indicator. And the reality is the underlying cause is the lack of respect the lack of interest in another person, you know, you're the person you're supposed to care the most about your wife. And that's really what BTR addresses is all of us feeling like we're not getting the respect that we deserve or the love that we need. We're human beings. We should be treated, you know, like human beings and not objects. That's really what it comes down to. Lorelai, thank you so much for coming on today's episode. No problem. I appreciate you taking the opportunity to talk with me. And I just really hope that anybody who needs to hear this can hear it and start working to get safe. Thank you. If this podcast is helpful to you, please help us reach other women by following or subscribing and giving us a five-star rating. Thank you for helping other women find us. If you've already purchased a copy of my book, Trauma Mama, Husband Drama, please circle back and give it a five-star rating. A lot of women are searching for books about betrayal trauma on Amazon and rating Trauma Mama will help them find this podcast, which is free to everyone. Your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on support the BTR podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there.